0: Let's go, girls.
1: Come on. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way.
0: This is Powered Up Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, and today we are going to welcome Polly Monson. And We are putting together a multi-part series on fitness, health, nutrition, workouts, mindfulness, balance, goals, all the things that we need to talk about, the whole package uh, for getting ourselves in shape and talking about fitness, because fitness is much more than just fitting into a pair of jeans. You know, we've all heard the term skinny fat. You know, people are, I have a friend who's skinny fat, and she's so skinny, and she looks great in her clothes, but the minute we go hiking, she can, like, make it, like, two steps up the hill, and then I have to drag her skinny body up the hill, which is a great workout for me, but but it's not what we want in this world, and we want to show up being fit and happy and healthy, because when we are truly fit, we are radiant, and truly fit is not about, like I said, fitting into a size of jeans even though that does feel good. I have my fat pants, and um, we all do. But the whole package, and my intent uh, for these series of shows with Polly Monson of Central Sweat is to shed some light on what we all think because on the break, Polly and I were talking about a little bit about like shame and vulnerability and how we feel uh, when we are struggling, especially with fitness or weight loss or body image, all those things. And she said to me, many of my clients think I'm the only one. And and Polly, I want to open with that because I think that is so powerful.
2: Oh, of course. Of course. Yes. I was um, complimenting on Sandra on the fact that I love that you're so open about your situation and your history. And because one of the biggest things I deal with, with my clients is to get them out of the mindset that they're the only ones dealing with these issues. And like I said, Sandra, I was like, you know, I, it's not a selfish thing. It's not that their ego is so big that they think they're the only one that has to deal. It's It's truly about just feeling isolated, feeling vulnerable, feeling embarrassed or ashamed about these things that they can't do or these goals that they can't conquer. And like I've said in a previous segment, that's why support system, whether that's coming from your trainer, whether that's coming from your family or your friends, is I think one of the biggest predictors of how well or how much, um, how successful you're going to be in achieving your goals. Um, because you're certainly not alone. There's, I I can't imagine at this point with my eight years experience and a hundred people that I've seen that I can hear something that somebody says that I haven't heard from somebody else. Maybe the root cause is a little different because everybody has a very original, unique life and past, but the goal itself, the problem that they're having or what they need to achieve, tons of people deal with on a day-to-day basis, whether it's getting stronger, whether it's losing weight, whether it's just feeling better about themselves, lowering their correct cholesterol, reducing stress, balancing their everyday life. It's, it's a lot and it's a lot and it's the same issue that everyone has to deal with. This doesn't come easy for anyone. Trainers weren't even born doing pushups out of the womb. Like we had to learn this (laughs) stuff too, just like everybody else. We just get paid to do it. (laughs) Everybody else kind of has to juggle it along with other things. And so, you know, but that's where we come in to try to make that part easier for you as well. But, you know, so that's, that's, I think the, the biggest thing I think for people to really, Understand is that we have a ton of empathy. There's a ton of empathy out there for these issues um, because everyone's fighting the same war. Everyone's fighting the same battle here.
0: <laughs> That's it. And, I, you know, and I, I love that you put that everyone's fighting the same battle because, you know, we're both single, you know, I've been married and I'm just going to say this, breakups suck. I don't care how nice your divorce is. I don't care how bad your breakup is or how good your breakup is. They all affect you. And I can tell you, you know, from caring for my internally ill mother, you know, that affected me. And then, you know, during this process, I, I lost my home. Um, you know, I had a foreclosure, and I kept my main home, you know thankfully, and I was able to keep that stable, but I lost my cars, you know, I lost the lifestyle that I had been accustomed to because loss you know the changes is, is part of life and the funny thing is, Polly, everything we see in the media is resisting change. Like, you know, I looked at Beyonce the other day, and she's so beautiful. And, you know, she is getting younger as she gets older. I look at some of my Beverly Hills friends, and I'm aging, and they're not. I feel like I'm in some weird time <laughs> warp. It's like, how are you now younger than me? That is not possible. You used to be 10 <laughs> years older than me, and now you are younger than me. Um, but we do fight change. And, You know, change is painful, change is difficult, change can be invigorating, but our bodies do change as we age. And I can tell you, when I was in my 20s, I could go on a serious bender, okay, eat like two apples a day and a head of lettuce work out like a fiend, and then get up the next morning, and I really, truly did this. I danced a 24-hour dance marathon with no practice. I ran a 10K because somebody, you know, when people would drop out, I'd be like, sure, I can do it, you know, because that was my mindset in my 20s was, what What more can I do? What more does life have to offer? You know, and after I ran my 10K with no training, my older sister actually had to help me sit up in bed. <laughs> I <laughs> couldn't sit up. And then my other one was like, okay, we'll help you go to the bathroom, you know. But I will tell you, like, two days later, I was fine. But now, in my 40s, um, I ran I uh, I don't know, I ran a 5K or something like that for breast cancer at Dodger Stadium last year. And I trained for a couple months. And, you know, it's only a 5K. But I will tell you, it took a lot. I drank a lot of watermelon juice to try to help my recovery. But I noticed that my recovery time um, has, has gotten longer as I get older. So, you know, we do change despite all the creams and spanks and, you know, everything we can do for our bodies. Um, and my skin sags in places that it's not fat sag. It's just, you know, the body bags getting older and I'm, I'm really not ready to go under the knife. I, I don't know if I ever will. I'm not a big, big knife person. Um, no, me. other than slicing my fingers when I chop my vegetables. No. Um, you know but change is part of life and everybody has to face that yeah no
2: I I agree I agree I I think like you talk about a myriad of emotions run through my head and thoughts as you're talking about this and you're right I think first of all that you know The downside to aging is, yes, around like your late 20s, early 30s, your body kind of starts to work against you rather than for you. Whereas in your 20s, you know, like you said, you could bounce back pretty quickly, you know, eat an entire buffet and then go to bed and wake up and have lost three pounds. Like you just never know what rhyme or reason to anything, but it it happens. And then you start getting late 20s, early 30s, and you start to naturally and gradually lose lean muscle mass. And that lean muscle mass, basically your muscle is – what helps keep your metabolism up and what your body um, has intact pretty securely in your 20s. And then when you start to lose that is when everything else kind of slowly like a domino effect starts to go downhill and you have to work a little harder for things. Now, I think the positive note to aging is you get the wisdom. Like as you're getting older, you're getting wiser in your choices. You're getting more secure or you should be at least hopefully getting more secure into who you are, what you like, what you don't like hopefully maybe more money to where you have more access to cooking and more options. I find like some of my more fitter clients are in their thirties rather than their twenties. Twenties, everyone's sporadic and they're just kind of lucky and they don't really understand the rhyme or reason to why they're so thin, but they're just thin and that's great. and We're going with it, but they're not really learning anything. Whereas my clients in their thirties and forties and fifties are actually taking the time to figure out how to get what they need because it's not automatic anymore, but they figure out the food that they need to eat to give them the energy that they need and to keep their waistline slim. And they figure out the activity levels they need to keep their body fit and to keep them sleeping well at night. Like, And that's that's more important than anything because they'll be able to sustain that, whereas the 20-somethings don't. The 20-somethings eventually fall off the wagon either you jump back on and you get, you know, right again or you try to stop the process with knives and creams and spanks and things like that. And then, eventually, I think by your 40s or 50s, you just start to look confused. Like you just like you like you're somebody that's supposed to look 45, but your face looks like you're 25. And, um, and not many people that I ever, I mean, I just said, don't you find that interesting that like, I never hear anybody like when you see someone with plastic surgery, where you know that they've had plastic surgery, no one finds that great. Like No one says, Oh, that's like, I, I don't like it's never a, a sort of a positive thought or they never get like maybe they're getting compliments from other people that I haven't met but those obvious like plastic surgery I mean mostly all I hear is the inner beauty and then men and other people really appreciating like actresses who age gracefully that's what they call it aging gracefully like who look amazing and confident and radiant and it has nothing to do about how many wrinkles they have in their face it's just the fact that they match their age. And they're beautiful for that because there's a confidence that goes with that, which I think, um, like I said, in a previous segment, people who go to the gym, just spending an hour there, they walk out like they've lost five pounds. They haven't lost anything, but they have gained the confidence because they put themselves through a good workout. They feel good. Their endorphins are going, their self-esteem is up. So already they're more attractive. And just, just, just by doing that. Um,
0: well, I think what you 're talking about you know, and we can get a little airy fairy because you know we can go anywhere on these shows, but I think what you 're talking about what I see is that we are energetic beings, we are energetic beings that communicate and and relate to each other. In a way that's so far removed from our physical bodies. And so when our energetic being feels good, like our physical bodies respond to that. Because I always believe that, like, it's the spirit first. Like, if you're in tune with your spirit and you've got your things going on, your mind then will follow appropriately. And then where your mind goes, your body goes. Um, But I will tell you, I agree with you. I live in the plastic surgery capital of the world in Los Angeles. And there are women, I swear to God, that walk around. town and their their face could repel a cheetah bite it is so tight (laughs) it is pulled back it looks completely unnatural and you know they look like that that russian girl that's trying to be a barbie doll and yeah they may photograph well but you know what? that's what photoshop's for photoshop will knock off a few wrinkles here or there a couple extra pounds you know but they look weird and and they don't feel good, you know, and that's the thing, I've had girlfriends, you know, and I will tell you, okay, I I have my own boobs, but most of my girlfriends don't, and I used to be executive director of the Breast Institute, and I watched a lot of botched boob jobs, and I will tell you that I watched a lot of women come in with poor self-esteem, because one was big, one was small, these were down to her knees, you know, they were non-existent, come out with a beautiful pair of breasts and they blossomed you know they really did and I'm not an advocate for breast enhancement surgery I'm not an advocate for for um, plastic surgery but there are some times when you need to fix something that's broken on you or you don't like like if you don't like your nose you got to look at your nose every day I have tons and tons of friends who have had nose jobs and you know they feel better but there's a balance between the physical and the spiritual. And when you talk about that five pounds lighter, you're talking about the energy that that person gives off. They physically couldn't lose, you know, five pounds. Well, that's not true. I dated a professional hockey player and I made him weigh himself. This is me. He had to weigh himself before a game because he's like, God, I'm so dehydrated. I am so worn out, you know, and he, he played, um, he played for um, the Dallas North, or the, da- the Dallas North Stars, the Dallas Stars. And he would lose like seven or eight pounds playing a hockey game. But the rest of us are not professional hockey players. So when you walk out of the gym and feel five pounds lighter, it's all about that energy.
2: Yes, I, yes, I agree. And um, one of the, I, I, it makes me think of my motto. So on my emails, when I write clients for my Central Sweat, our logo is, Um, there are no absolutes or guarantees in the health and wellness industry, just the idea that everyone has the potential to become their ideal self. And ideal self is kind of the key term there, because it's not about comparing yourself to anyone else. It's about what's your ideal. So like you said, the women that get the breast implants that feel better about themselves, and maybe that's what they version their ideal self to be no harm, no foul. And they're happier. Great. More power to them. And maybe someone with size a breasts who love their small breasts and that that's their ideal self, then more power to them. Um, I can say on a personal note, and I'm not sure if we would um, talked about this previously, but I was in a hit and run accident two years ago. I was hit by a drunk driver while crossing the street and he hit me head on it, like 55 miles an hour. And I Died, came back, it was very dramatic, but I crushed one whole side of my face in. And I had an amazing plastic surgeon, which just by luck, because he happened to be on call at the hospital that day, and he put some metal in my face, kinda of put it all back together, but I do have some scarring left over from that, um, that I've had now for about three years. And it's different. And it was it was a big it was a big deal for me and it definitely it's not something that I let define me, but it was a definite defining moment in my life because you know, and I would hear from friends and family when they found out about the the wreck and obviously like the, their sympathies, but they were like, oh, no, her face. Oh, no, her face. Because I, I'm cute. I know I'm I walk around a pretty cute person on a general basis. Um, and you don't realize how much you kind of rely on that or rely just aesthetically on what you look like, particularly until that's kind of gone. And now I had this permanent scarring that I felt was the first thing people saw. And I wasn't my ideal self anymore. And I couldn't be that anymore. And I went through a really low part point in my life past that with my self-esteem because I didn't know how to cope. And it took a long time, took a lot of therapy, but at the end of it, how I live now are these scars, which are, are barely visible. Everyone who talks like unless the sun gets really bad, like you can really kind of barely see them. Um, but I see them and I know they're there, but they've become a symbol of strength for me as opposed to to a symbol of an imperfection of me and but I had to get to that place and I think a lot of people need to get that for themselves and whatever that may mean whether it's your body type whether you're pear-shaped apple-shaped or you feel like your nose is too big or your forehead's too long or like there are certain things about you that you have to kind of just come to terms with and understand that there's beauty and beauty is never defined in a certain way and Sometimes I think that I'm more beautiful now than I was before with the scars on my face just because um, I have a better understanding and it's not, I'm not as superficial as I was, even though I wasn't very superficial before, but it, you know what I mean? Like every, everyone has their thing and this was my thing and, you know, it was not age that got me. It was literally a a car (laughs) that basically forced me to accept change pretty quickly um, and be okay with it, which I am. But, um, you know, and that's, again, what I try to get to a lot of my clients on is what's the root of their insecurities. Where are their insecurities? Are these insecurities fixable in terms of, you know, could you lose the weight or and some things that aren't like, you know, I guess you could get a nose job. But is that really do you need that? You could be Barbara Streisand, who owns it, because she wouldn't have been the talent that she was if she had fixed it. So you just never know, you know, I don't know.
0: That's, that's, that's my, true. I'm going to call you Robo Trainer from now on because when you when you told me that story, I thought of like Terminator, and I'm like, ooh, she just like came back and like you know Robo Trainer. Um, but I think that what you talk about is the the miracle of of really getting in touch with yourself and owning yourself and making the decision of, you know, what can I change? You know, what can I accept, you know, and, and, you know, you know, what, what, what choices do I really have? And, you know, is it worth the fight? Like, you know, my kids, when they're unhappy, I always tell them, like, look, you have a couple choices here, you can change it, you know, you can accept it, you know or you can ignore it and it'll give you a tummy ache. So you know, that's that's kind of life, you know, and you had a choice. You could if you can't change it if you don't have the finances the 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 emotional investment in wanting to change it that's one thing. If you can't change it because it's a physical thing like I have a scar from uh, a tumor I had when I was 13 as if you're not ugly enough at 13 like pimply faced and hormones. I've got one um, they took out my thyroid so it went from collarbone to collarbone and when I came came back to school, kids were like, oh, what happened? You know, because it was big, angry thing. And, you know, my mom was like, well, you can, you have a choice. You know, you're going to have to live with this scar, you know, because we were from modest means. We didn't have plastic surgery. And even though the plastic surgeon did a good job making it straight in the fold of my neck where my necklaces are, it's still there. So, you know, it took me a while, but then I just started telling people I had a head transplant. And, you <laughs> know, <see them? laughs> faces. Yeah, I didn't like my old head, so I had a head transplant plan you know you have a choice and if you can't change it if you make it part of you you know and you laugh about it or you own it like you talked about you know you may not like it like I don't like my scar in certain dresses but you know what I don't like it enough to have to go another surgery to have it whatever because you know it's not going to go away and um so I had to make peace with it in my 20s and um you know and it's funny because the stuff that matters to us changes over time and that's the one thing that when i think about really permanent things like extensive plastic surgery um you change over time and what's what's important to you when you're 20 is so less important to you when you're 40 and i don't know what it's like to be 50 or 60 um but i can i can tell you from my wise you know girlfriends that You can't ever go wrong from eating right and keeping your body healthy. I just don't think that, you know, like when we talk about, like, what does a healthy lifestyle look like? I think a healthy lifestyle looks like, hey, if you look in the mirror and you don't like something, you know, there's a couple options there. And just make sure that it's the best decision for you, because sometimes those best decisions for me at the time don't prove to be the best decisions over time.
2: Yes, agreed. And you kind of have to, and to to really keep in mind that this isn't just affecting you. Like you making the decision to ignore, um, ignore trying to build a healthy lifestyle for yourself or taking the time and and making the effort or donating the money or whatever you're doing to doing this um, will eventually not just affect you, but affect everyone around you. Like it will affect how you, are in your day-to-day life. Like what's your self-esteem level? What's your level of crankiness? What's your patience level? Like how, how well do you get along with people? Like the more confident and secure you are, the more positive you're going to be and the better relationships and communication you're going to have with others. And it, I mean, it just, it's, it's, again, it's a domino effect. Now you come first, you come first, but you coming first will make everything else easier. It just will. It just, it, You know, eating, eating better makes like, there's so many things that people think are automatic. Like my clients will be like, well, I just get so tired in the afternoon. I was like, well, that's probably because you're eating a lot of sugar in your lunch and you're crashing mid afternoon. Or there's like, there's little things that people don't realize that it's not just because you're 40. It's not just because you're 50 and you just, things get slower. You don't just gain weight because you're older. Those things don't have to happen if you don't want them to, but you do have to take the time and the effort to say, "I don't like this, I want to change this. How can I do that? And then we swoop in like you know, Robo trainer, and we tell you how to <laughs> the best way to
0: do it. Well, and, you know, it's funny, you know, we talk about nutrition because I hear all the time, well, you know, I've got extra weight because I'm a mom and, you know, I don't have time to eat right. And, you know, people have called me the food Nazi, to be fair, Um, you know, because I will go into people's kitchens and I will say, oh, are you really going to feed that to your kid? Or, oh, are you really gonna? And, you know, the argument that I get a lot of times is the moms will tell me, You know what? I'm on a diet. I'm so tired of making a separate meal for myself. You know, or my husband won't eat that or my kids won't eat that. And I look at them and I go, oh, the hell with them. If you are cooking, they have to eat it. And why would you make a separate healthy meal for yourself and an unhealthy meal for your children and your husband? And the third thing I hit them with, which is why they call me the food Nazi, because I usually make people cry at this point. (laughs) What are you teaching your kids if you're feeding them you know like I get so mad at the school districts because everything's fried everything's fatty everything's salty everything's loaded with sugar and preservatives and you know then they wonder why you know the kids in my kids fourth grade you know the the girls are developing breasts in third grade and and everybody's fat you know I, I get so upset about that but the fact the matter is is If you are the, if the kitchen is the heart of the home, why are you filling your home with fat, sugar, and cholesterol, and why are you teaching your children that this is healthy, this is the lifestyle, and then when you go on a diet, you eat some crazy restrictive thing, you know, and so, you know, the kids learn all this stuff, and I found, you know, through trial and error, Polly, is that with nutrition in my family, it starts with me, and you know what? My kids is as, as creepy as it sounds, they will eat cupcakes without frosting because the sugar makes them sick. They will choose bananas and apples and fruits because it tastes better, because I haven't butchered their taste buds by saturating them with tons of, of food. And you know, you're right, I don't know how they're gonna grow up, but the fact of the matter is what I put in my mouth is what they put in their mouth, and together we're gonna be healthy as a family, and it doesn't cost more and it it doesn't take a lot of time those are all urban myths
2: oh I love it I love it yes you're singing my song it's like oh it's great no it's everything it's everything I ever advise I think you're absolutely right you need to practice what you preach and it doesn't need to be a separate thing like there's so many articles out there now that's like there's no more dieting dieting doesn't work da, da da like and it's it's true like I'm never on a diet I don't consider myself dieting Sometimes I'll tell my clients that I've placed myself on restriction, which means that maybe I'm not, you know, making sure this weekend I don't drink because I need to make sure this happens or just like fiddling with it a little here and there. But overall, how I eat day to day is how I love and how I want to eat. And people with kids fascinate me because, well, one thing I actually had this conversation with my client today because he said, I wish I would have been told when I was little to not clean my plate." Like Or that that old adage was like, you know, make sure that you clean everything on your plate because there's hungry children in India and they're starving, so eat everything. But it's actually, like, counterproductive because what you're basically saying is don't read your body. Who cares if you're full? Just make sure everything's eaten. Which, again, portion size is one of the biggest, biggest things we have to overcome when it comes to healthy eating because you just, everyone eats too much of everything. Everything. I mean, basically the only thing that you... Pretty much can get away with is vegetables in the long run, but who wants to eat like a whole thing of broccoli? No one really has that issue. <laughs> it's usually the box of donuts, the huge bowl of cereal. Um, so that's one thing that I think parents especially need to watch out for is is saying that like letting your kids think about what they're eating, why they're eating it. Eat when they're hungry. Don't eat when they're not hungry. Don't force food down them. I mean, do it when they're wanting dessert. Well, you can't have dessert till you have this. But, you know, always keeping in mind that, like, I love this. Have you ever seen those commercials where the, you are what you eat? So the kid's, like, running around. He's a French fry, like, on the soccer field or something. Oh, like, yeah. I love that. I love that. And, you know, it's funny to me, too. And I don't know if you have this experience with your girlfriends who, are, when they're pregnant. Because when women are pregnant, they'll get very restrictive. They'll be very like, I have gluten, lactose, everything free, no booze, no caffeine, no everything. They're like diligent to like, because whatever they're putting in their body, they know is going to their baby. But for some reason, once you pop the kid out, you throw them like the little bag of Cheetos or you throw them the little Debbie cakes or like at that point, it doesn't really matter. I'm, I get confused because <laughs> I'm, like it's still the same principle, like what you're giving them, the you want it just Hands down, with nutrition, I say just stay away from processed as much as you can, which is probably what you're yelling at a lot of your mom friends about. But the the prepackaged anything, just not no good. I mean, if you think about all the chemicals and when you read the labels, like what's actually going in there to preserve the food and make it taste better, is horrifying. Like sometimes, and you're actually, you know putting that in their bodies every single day and they'll take whatever because they love everything and they'll eat tons of whatever they want to eat you know they have no they don't know it's your job to kind of show them oh we're done
0: okay yep i gotta take us to commercial break i'm here with paulie monson of central sweat when we come back we're going to dispel a whole bunch of mommy myths and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it so Mm -hmm. come back after the break
1: We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages.
3: This is for all you girls about forty-two. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. Join us for healing with the Marika Method. This is an amazingly informative show to help heal people as well as their horses, dogs, and cats. This show inspires and empowers people to take charge of their own health and their animals' health using the power of diet, nutrition, natural medicines, and lifestyle to heal a variety of health problems. Learn how food impacts all physical and emotional health conditions and how diet and natural medicines are used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Marika is a health and nutrition specialist homeopathic practitioner, a gifted medical intuitive and healer, and an author and educator with over two decades of experience in clinical practice for people and their pets. Join our host, Marika Vandewater, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen.
1: We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin.
0: This is for This is Powered Up Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and today we are welcoming Polly Monson and this is part of our health and fitness summer series. Uh, that we are running and this is so great you guys because you're getting so much information from a a, a very successful trainer who gets it you know she's out of New York City so if you're listening from around the world or you're listening you know like me I was from a little small town so I would always live on what you know like the big city people knew because in some respects they knew a lot more than I did in a lot of respects Um, just by nature of the uh, awareness levels and the uh, things that they were exposed to. But Polly Monson is educated. She's successful. she, She walks the walk. She talks the talk. She lives... Her fitness from the inside out, which is really important for me. And you can find more about her at centralsweat.com. But we have been dispelling some of these mommy myths because I'm not a mommy expert. I've just been called a mommy expert on the radio. And what makes me, I think, the best mommy expert is that... I'm raising my kids on my own, and every morning I get up and go, why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? What is going on here? I'm a big one to know that success leaves clues. When when healthy kids grow up to be healthy adults, it's no mystery when successful people raised kids and their kids have a successful life, which means happy marriages, long-term marriages, you know, positive career choices where people love their jobs. People are doing something right out there. And I'm the first one to ask why. And I think, you know, when my marriage blew up and my life blew up, I had to really have like a come to Jesus with my education level because, yeah, I have a high-powered Ivy League education. Well, guess what? I'm divorced. I'm broke. I have kids and my body is sick. And I think about that guy fat sick and nearly dead guy that documentary guy who had all these things but he didn't have his health and I really am a big believer in success leaves clues and I don't want to raise my kids with unhealthy eating habits I don't want to have them myself and so we're talking about nutrition today and we're dispelling some of the mommy myths and I want to identify two of them right off the bat Um, you know we talked about the clean your plate thing in uh, the earlier segment and for those of you that missed this part of the show go ahead and pick us up on iTunes type in Polly Monson under Powered Up Talk Radio and you'll pick up all our shows together because we do have a series of health and fitness uh, out there but Polly that clean your plate thing caused me a lot of consternation and it, it caused me a lot of sleepless nights for two reasons one I agree on a I agree on a principle level that teaching your kid to clean your plate doesn't create good eating habits. And I agree that teaching your kids to eat when they're hungry is is a good theory and principle. However, I'm going to buzz in here because when you get your kid home from school and they had lunch at 11.30 and it's 3.15 and they need to be to soccer practice at 3.30, you better eat that banana because if you don't, Polly, I promise you, my lovely, delightful Niles and fraser like children will turn into Godzilla and Tyrannosaurus Rex at 5.15 because their blood sugar is through the floor. And my little guy, the one Mr. 23,000 Steps, he would rather do anything other than eat, and it has been this way since he was a toddler and spitting out foods, and it's funny because he's my little vegetarian. He'd rather have carrots, and he loves cucumbers with salt. He loves, you know, celery. He loves his – he will eat a whole bowl of broccoli and get a tummy ache because he has broccoli farts, and he says, Mom, the fart got stuck. <laughs> um So, when they're little like that, it is really hard. And, you know, somebody told me once just keep a tally during the day like how much your non-eater doesn't eat. My older one is very, very good. He was always a good eater, and he he actually will tell me I'm full, and I'll look and see, okay, well, you know, you're full, and, and we're not a big dessert people. We have fruit for dessert, or, you know, every once in a while, maybe a couple times a month, we might have an ice cream cone or a piece of pumpkin pie, something like that. We're not, you know, we don't eat a lot of junk like that. I just don't put it in the house because it's a lot easier. There's no more fighting. You can't fight over what's not there. But, trying to figure out what's going to keep your kid's blood sugar level when they'd rather be running and swimming and playing and then they come in and their tummies growling and they are growling like a bear at you or crying and having a meltdown there's there's i haven't figured out the balance there then other than keeping track and putting laying down the law saying all right if you're going to play soccer for the next hour and a half you're going to eat this banana and you're going to drink this bottle of water before you go and, and I, I haven't figured out you know like How do you balance that between I'm not hungry, well, you better eat, and then you have your school schedule where the kids can't eat when they're hungry. They have to eat from 11 o'clock to 11.20, and if they don't finish their food like my little one is, he's starving at 1 and too bad for you. And they don't learn. It's not like they wake up one day and go, oh, I better eat my lunch because I will be grumpy at 11.30. No, he's just having a meltdown and beat another kid.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can see how that could be a conundrum. I definitely see that. Um, I would think like, I think the biggest thing you would try to do is just the why. And honestly, Sandra, you're right. Like at the end of the day, mom knows best. And sometimes you just have to lay down the law. But when you're laying down the law, just, you know, even if they don't understand, just say why. So if you're giving them the banana, like, and and like you said, we'll go back to the other segment when you're talking about brainwashing and brainwashing your children. Out of context, this sounds really bad right now, but what you were saying is, like, you teach them these little, like, inner monologues or thoughts to have, like, always, you know, positive affirmation and things every single day for them To feel good about themselves. Same thing with food. So, if you give your child that banana, you can say, I need you to eat this banana, else, you're not going to have enough energy to play soccer. Else, you're going to run slower than the other kids. I need you to have this. This is like your gasoline. I need you to gas up and go out, kind of speak their language, find something they have. You know, if they're really into Ninja Turtles or Transformers, like Transformers, they eat their bananas before they go stomp on the town. So, you need to make sure to get that banana in you because you know, kids are too young to be, have that like emotional level of like, I'm really sad, so I need to eat, or I'm really happy and celebratory, so I want to drink. Like they don't, they don't think of food in that term. They just think hungry or not, or there's a lot of other things that are more exciting right now that I could be doing than eating whatever you're putting in front of me. So all you got to do is just say, well, you're going to have to do it, but maybe put it in terms of something they can relate to and will make them want to want to eat it because it's going to fuel them for something else and then they'll start to have that mindset it's when you just kind of say okay clean your plate with no explanation of why they need to do it besides they just have to do it that kids kind of lose the point of it and and that's when it becomes detrimental because in the long term all they're thinking is clean their plate they're not thinking why whereas if you're giving them the why which you know which is because you need to you need to feel good. This is going to make you happy. These are carbs. This is what, I mean, it's just like learning anything else. Um, there's a science behind it and say this is what, this is going to make your fo- body feel great. This is fruit. Call the fruit candy. You want some candy? Here's some fruit because fruit essentially there's sugar. There's, it'll get them, it'll get them quick energy fast. It's sweet. It's good. They have that inner monologue. Like you said, they're going to reach for the fruit because that's going to be like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling low, I'm feeling tired. Let me grab a banana. And they're going to know that because mom said, this gives me energy. And this is what my go-to was, if that makes sense. So I think you have to, you know, I don't know. Well,
0: yeah. And I I love that. I love that you clarified because, you know, when we hear these like mantras or we hear these things, you know, it's, it's, they're like there's like absolutes to them, like don't teach your kid to clean your plate, you know, don't tell your kid to eat when they're not hungry, you know, and then my brain starts you know short circuiting like brainiac going like, but what else but how do how do I how do I live by this absolute and what you did was you explained the thinking behind the absolute, which then allowed me to go, you're right when you're not thinking and you just make your kid eat you know finish your plate, you're not really thinking about. You know how much they ate that day or what they ate or what's on their plate or what you know even their personal likes and dislikes are um, you know I think that's that 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 helped me a lot that clarified a big one for me because i you know i have I have two food mantras that I teach my kids one is it doesn't always have to taste good. food doesn't always have to taste good there's sometimes you put food in your body and we talk about medicine, medicine tastes bad a lot of times. So there are some foods that are really good for your body that don't taste great. Like, my kids don't like kale. And, you know, I give them kale, and I put kale in their juice, and, you know, I I juice it. And I, you know, sometimes I do a kale salad. And, you know, we talk about, and, you know, and this is funny because this works with little kids. And as you get older, they go, boom. But I say, okay, you guys need to eat that because it's time to clean out your pooper. and. They get it, you know, because I'm like, not everything we eat has to taste good. You know, so much of our prepackaged food, so much of our commercials, so much of what we're training our kids today, and this goes way beyond nutrition. This goes on with video games, internet technology, immediate downloads, cell phones, texting. You know, our kids are living in this instant society, and we are used to getting everything instantly. And you know i think it's it's really it's really tough because nutrition isn't instant nutrition is medicine but it's not a pill and you know pills work faster sure they do but If you think of everything you put in your body as medicine, you know, like my kids a lot of times, I will tell them, you know, you are dehydrated, so your body's not working right. You need to drink this water. Sometimes I'll put lemon in, I'll put a little salt in it, you know, things like that to really help their body recover. You know, we live in an area where it's not uncommon in the the summer to be 100 degrees and kids are playing out in 100 degree weather. So, you know, you have these things, but where is it written that our children have to like everything they eat? My mom was a country mom. We ate a lot of food that she prepared. We ate local. We ate the apples off our own trees. We ate the corn, you know, out of our own backyard. And there was never a discussion on whether you liked it or not. And to be fair, I did roll my peas under the plate, stick them to the bottom and carry them to the sink. That's the way to get out of eating peas. Um, but where is it written that our kids must love everything we cook and that they must eat things only that they like? I think that's a really big, big um, problem.
2: I I agree. And it's so funny because I think of my mom and when we were little and we would have to eat something that we didn't like, and all she would respond to me was like, Polly Joe, it's just that your palate isn't sophisticated yet. Once your palate matures, you will enjoy it. So eat. <laughs> That's all she would say. So we always had to have just a more mature palate. And then eventually we would appreciate what was being put in our mouth. But, you know, I think part of what happens because, I think, I think you're right. I think it's all in the way you kind of sell it. And you're really great at, you know, explaining to your kids that they're having to drink the lemon salt water or whatever you're giving them. is kind of antidote, anecdotal, is that the word? Yeah. Anecdotal. Um, yes. That, um, you know there's a there's a rhyme and reason behind it and right now it's not about the flavor and i think you can do that in many ways i think two things one thing like so for instance salads like you think about a lot of you know we we love our salads a lot of times salads are such are so correlated with um uh weight loss and diet and all those things but if you grab a salad in front of your kids and i love salads because i love salads and i think there's a million different ways you can make salads and salads are amazing and taste amazing um and I would just think in front of my kids, if I grab my salad, I would say, yeah, I'm just feeling really low energy. I'm feeling a little dehydrated. Um, I need some water. Like I need some like good for me nutrients and make it sound really positive and have it nothing to do with my weight. And then and slowly but surely, like when you do like things like that with your healthier foods, just always putting a positive spin on it rather than saying, oh, what it's going to, you know, just never associating it with weight, because I think that's when things start to become a little bit more negative. And the other thing, and sometimes the downside to parents, because kids can, like we were talking about earlier, when you're younger, you just bounce back quicker. You can inhale a whole pizza and wake up the next day and feel fine and it not really affect you. But at the end of the day, it does. And sometimes when parents, I think when you let your kids get too much into the processed food or the extreme flavors of things like the food, like the really sugary candies and the really like salty fast food and all that stuff, like those are all very extreme flavors. So, yeah, if you put a strawberry in front of the kid after they've had the triple chocolate fudge sundae, they're going to be like, no, like this isn't a dessert. This is healthy stuff. I don't want it as opposed to limiting like it, it, like maybe in that moment. Yes. Occasionally your, your kids can have a Sunday. It's not like you take all of that out, but I think we get, we stop, we, we don't realize how much of those like extreme flavors start to affect what they actually start to think about the healthy stuff. And that's when the healthy stuff starts to become negative and all the fast food and the junk food becomes more positive because that's what they, that's what they're, they're, used to eating at that extreme and they're not getting enough of the subtle, but you take the extreme out and the subtle becomes extreme. And all of a sudden a strawberry is like super sweet and that's their candy. That's their junk food. And that's, I think it's a good way to kind of manipulate it a bit. So it's, you know, it's all in, it's all
0: in how you spin it, <laughs> honestly. Well, it's training. It's training. You know, I went to cooking school, and you know, I have a lot of experience with, you know, food prep. And there's foods that I may not uh, like, but I've learned to appreciate them. And they call it training your palate in cooking school. You know, you have to learn. You have to actually teach your palate, you know, to accept you know, different foods, because as a cook or a chef, you're not going to always just cook what you like. You know, I'm not a big fan of salmon. I really don't enjoy it. I find it really fishy. Um, I like lots of other fish, but salmon, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of the, the flavor of lamb, you know, but I can cook it, you know, I can cook it well and cook it, you know, so that people like it. But I'm not, I don't naturally like the flavor of lamb, but I can learn to appreciate it. And I think, you know, that training of my taste buds in cooking school really taught me a lot about what are we training our kids' taste buds. Because if we eat a lot of fast food, if we eat a lot of processed food that's full of sugar, full of nitrates, full of um, uh, salt and sodium, you know, all these different things, um, we're training our kids to think that that's what good food tastes like. Yep.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's the cooking. I mean, you just, and again, it's not all going to be like, it it takes some work. Like I didn't truly know how to eat until I learned how to cook because for a long time, especially in my twenties, dieting to me was chicken and broccoli, or I got to have Thai food. So it was either live great and have fun with Thai food or diet and sacrifice with chicken and broccoli. I didn't realize there was this whole middle ground of amazing food. Now I did with my mom because my mom knew, knows how to cook. She's an amazing cook, but I didn't learn. I didn't take the time to learn anything from her. So by the time I left the house, I was kind of um, out of luck <laughs> until I met an amazing friend in Chicago who's a chef and um, taught me basically how to cook brown rice, how to fry an egg, how to make popcorn on the stove instead of in the microwave. A lot of um, very simple things and ideas that change the way I eat and change the way I looked at food so I can make amazing green, healthy chilies that I look forward to at the end of the day and salads that I eat every day and love. Like, again, I'm never sacrificing, but cooking is key. Cooking is key and sharing as much as you can with your kids in that regard, I think, is key because it's almost – It's not about sitting down and just teaching them or telling them. It's like you said, you practice what you preach. It's just every day. It's how you live. It's how they're watching you without you even knowing it. They're observing all the little subtleties of why you pick the food you pick, why you drink when you drink, when you sleep, when you eat, all of those things they're picking up on without you ever realizing. So it's always good to like. Remember that I think you're just you're you're constantly in that situation where your kids are observing and um, collecting all these habits. And if you have good habits, they'll have good habits. It's as simple as that. You're you're the number one person in their life. You're their role model. You're their inspiration. You're the person that knows regardless of whether you actually do know or not. You're the person to them that knows. And that's you know, that's as strong as gold to most kids.
0: Well, and it's a motivator for most moms. You know, when I sit down, you know, I speak to a lot of women's groups, you know, in my the scope of my career. And when I sit down and I say, you know, girls, what you're putting in your body is what your kids are going to put in your body. And you talked about that pregnancy thing about, you know, how so many of us, you know, take really good care of our bodies um, because we're infusing that fetus or that baby with what we're in taking. You know, so you think about that from a very visceral level. Whatever I put in my body is going to go right into the baby. Well, guess what? When you're cooking food, whatever you are cooking goes right into that body so if you look at you know you're teaching your kids you're modeling is the term you're modeling for your kids how to eat they're watching you and when you give them one set of food and you eat another guess what you've just sent them a mixed message so when you're modeling, you know, you model for your for your family, you know what you should be eating, and you know that's why fat parents have fat kids. I mean, or, or unhealthy parents have unhealthy kids. You know, it's it's no not rocket science. And I want to share with you one of the fun things that my kids and I do. Um, We make our own salad dressings. I started doing this for two reasons. One, because of a lot of the additives in salad dressings. But number two, as a single mom and you know battling myself out of debt, you know over five years and paying off my ex-husband and you know everything I've had to do, um, I have found that salad dressings at three or four bucks a bottle, with two active kids and the amount of salad we eat, just wasn't cost effective and i really wasn't satisfied with just vinegar and oil and you know you know a little bit of salt and pepper you know that'll do for sometimes but i started we started making like our little science experiments and my one son came up with the best one he took a little bit of ranch powdered dressing you know the kind that you're supposed to add mayonnaise and milk to and make a big thick fatty dressing Yes. He scooped a couple of those spoonfuls into his oil and vinegar, and then he took a scoop of garlic, like just fresh chopped garlic, because we make our experiments and then we taste them. Mm -hmm. And he made this great ranch alternative. And then sometimes he throws, instead of crumbled garlic, or he'll throw a little bit of crumbled blue cheese in there. It'll kind of melt. And it is the cheapest, best-tasting, dressing you could ever buy because you get the you get the oil and vinegar you get a little bit of the 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 salty ranch and then you get the tang of the blue cheese and you're talking a spoonful of blue cheese a spoonful of this little powdered dressing and the rest is your oil vinegar and water shake that sucker up it's delicious and it's (laughs) It's so good, and it's not full of preservatives. There's no sugar added, and, yeah, you're adding a little bit of that chemical blue cheese or the ranch dressing thing. But, you know, when you look at sitting down and dipping your vegetables and stuff, that sour cream and and mayonnaise, it's just it, there's no comparison. No, no. I love that. I want that recipe.
2: I want I want that dressing. That sounds awesome
0: know you can thank my seven and ten year old for coming up with it because they were like hmm, I'll try this I'll try that and it's really fun to mix you know try different vinegars mix them up and you know when the kids get involved in it and it's like a science experiment and then we dip different vegetables and we're like oh well you know if you dip a green bean in there a cooked green bean you know that doesn't taste so good but oh, if you you know put a piece of tomato yes. in there you know and we have fun we make it you know, a, a, like a science experiment, we make it. And when kids get involved in that, they're more likely to eat it. And then you can learn and talk about, well, you know, why does this taste good? Is it taste good? Because it's, it's, it's sugary? Is it taste good? Because it's salty? Is it taste good? Because it's, you know, tastes fatty, you know, all those things are, you know, part of teaching us the appreciation of food rather than just stuffing a Big Mac in and watching it go down.
2: Exactly. I love that. I think, And I think that's a great way to do it because cause there are a lot of like dedicated moms are like, you know, dinner every night, home cooked meal. This is amazing. But what also happens with that is you're a bit like the child becomes a bit removed from the process. You just have the meal in front of you when you sit down and it's an amazing, healthy, well-balanced meal, but it kind of came out of nowhere. So at the end of the day, the child has no like real backstory into why those that food was chosen, how the food was made. Um, so I love that you just have these like participatory times. I mean, it doesn't have to be every day, obviously, but to have those times where you make a fruit salad together and like pick the fruits that you want, make the salad dressing together. Like they're learning so much um, that you probably have like no comprehension of. And especially at that And people may think they're too little, but how much, I, I mean, you're constantly hearing how much better information is absorbed the younger the age. So like languages are better learned when they're like three and four and five. Like why, why not start then as opposed to when they're 16 and 17 and they're about to go off to college and it's like, Oh, but by the way, we need to make sure, you know how to cook some stuff to save some money or, you know, make sure. No, like start young, start when they're little and when they're absorbing all this information and all of this exciting and they'll, they'll, those feelings will stay with them, I think. And I don't know. I was thinking when you're talking about the different types of moms, and another another kind of um, demographic I've come across are the unhealthy or overweight moms that have the really thin kids because they refuse to let their kids be them. And I I mean in in one way it's like okay great they're not enforcing their own bad habits onto their children like they're very anal about making sure that the kids stay. You know, eating clean, they're not going to, you know, don't end up like, you know, what your mom looks like, don't end up like what your dad looks like. But at the end of the day, I just want to also say that those things aren't mutually exclusive. And Yes, you're probably teaching some good eating, healthy, but or healthy eating habits. But like you said, you know, you eating something differently than what you're giving your kids um, is sending mixed messages. And at the end of the day, it could backfire because your kids think you're beautiful, like who you are, no matter what size or shape. I mean, if you have a, a relationship with your kids and that love and all that stuff, they're gonna think you're you're amazing. It's why a lot of times kids, you know, end up dating or marrying. The, who, the, who are their parents look like. Like I, my boyfriends look like my dad or like those are the images you're used to seeing. So your kids may understand the difference, but growing up they may say, oh well, my mom ended up this way. so it's okay if I end up end up this way because my mom was like this, so I could be like this. And my mom kind of gave up, so I could give up and it's okay. I mean, it's normal. This is what my mom looks like. so this is what I can look like. And I think it's a good thing for moms now to keep in mind that you can teach all the lessons, but if you're not practicing them yourself, they're only going to go so far with your kids at the end of the day. I think. Well, and I
0: will tell you what happens in fifth and sixth, seventh grade. Cause you know, my, my older one is that, and I hear his friends, you know, and his, the boys that are in his peer group, we had a Valentine's day thing at our house and I had 11 little boys yeah. and one of the little boys was talking about, he didn't want his mom to come. And one of the kids says, why not? And he says, He's like, she's just so big and he's like, I just, I I am, you know, and he said he was embarrassed. He's like, I don't want anybody to see her. She's just so big and she's so fat. And I was in the kitchen, you know, I, I'm a big eavesdropper with my kids. And I was listening to the kids talk about this. And, you know, these are just normal little boys. They're not, you know, all food Nazi parents. But, you know, and the one kid's like, yeah, he's like, my mom's really fat, too. And he's like, all she does is sit and watch Dr. Phil all day. And he's like, I was watching her just stuff in this bowl of popcorn. And he's like, she thinks she's eating healthy and she ate the whole thing. And I was like, holy bananas. Like, these kids have it dialed in today because, you know, they're – They're exposed to so much more through the internet, through television, through, you know, anything I've ever experienced, and they they hear about weight loss and skinny celebrities, you know, it's all over the news, it's all over the media, Um, and I want to talk, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about how parents underestimate children and some of the mommy myths that I've had to deconstruct uh, being a single mother of two little boys and soul-supporting. You know, my life is very different. I can't uphold the standard of super mom. I can't do all these things. I need my four-year-old to pick the grapes off of stems because I need the help or it's not getting done. And the byproduct is he learned how to process food. But at the end of the day, These myths that we're carrying forward need to change. And we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about some of these mommy myths.
1: We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent career, is the brains behind the real cougar woman. She shares her wisdom, grace, and laugh-out-loud opinions based on her stellar successes, both in the financial world and in her personal life. Check out our website powered up with Beck and, and join us next week for another great conversation. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on toginet.com.